0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the second book of Kings, chapter 8, selected verses. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant from Zion, the city of David. The priests then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to the inner place of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. And the, when, the, when the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Then Solomon stood at the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord, the God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven, above or on earth below. You who kept your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. We have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled as it is today. Now, Lord, the God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, the promise you made to him when you said, you shall never fail to have a successor to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your descendants are careful in all that they do to walk before me faithfully, as you have done." And now the God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David, my father, come true. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be opened towards this temple night and day, this place which you have said, my name shall be there, so you will hear the prayer your servant prays toward this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place when you hear, forgive. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name. For they will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when they come and pray to this temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of this earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we gather in this house of yours. We gather filling your spirit all around us. We felt it as we rose this morning. We felt it as we walked in the doors. We feel it in the sacrament, in the hymn, in the prayer, in the silence. But as your Spirit surrounds us, may it speak to us in such a way, O oh Lord, that we might be transformed, that we might be less just hearers of your word, and more doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So it is probably, more than likely, uh, it is definitely the hubris of youth and the ignorance of adolescence, ignorance around this idea of genetics and the psychology of imprinting and conditioning, that many of us as children, as impetuous youth, that we uttered phrases like this, when I become an adult, when I become a parent, I'm not going to be like mine. You said it, right? Be honest. You probably said it. If you didn't, your children probably said it. And they probably said up this idea of the thing that there is no way that I'm going to be like my parents. But little did we know, talking about things like our rules, our habits, our traits, our money culture, even child rearing, even as much as we promised that we were not going to be like our parents, we forgot one irrefutable law. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? I mean, think about it. Only to find ourselves as adults, we begin to realize this. We've realized that it's done that, that we have become our parents in many ways. I mean, think about this. When you were a teenager, maybe you had to file a flight plan when you went out with your friends. You know what I'm talking about, right? The flight plan. Help me with this. Who are you going with? Where are you going? When are you going to be back? How long will he be gone? Who's driving? Are their parents going to be home? The flight plan, right? You probably had to file it just like me, like every other teenager. So what's surprising to me is parents that swore that they were, when, kids that swore they were never going to do that when they became parents. Let me tell you what they're doing these days. They're tracking their kids on one of these. I promise you, they are. They don't need a flight plan anymore filed because they just follow the flight. They know all of it. Or maybe you're that college student that just could not wait for your parents to get off campus. What you really prayed is that they would drive up, open the door, roll you and all of your stuff out on the sidewalk and just disappear magically. Let me tell you what those parents have become. Those kids become the parents that they hang out in the dorm. They're taking pictures upon pictures. And if you can really read teenage body language, the first picture of the kid in their dorm and they're smiling, the second picture, they're smiling a little bit less. The third one you can just like, how much longer before you have to leave? But mom and dad are hanging on just a little bit longer, wanting to hold on to that, that child one more time, one more picture, because they don't want to leave them any more than your parents wanted to leave you. See, we don't think that the apple falls far from the tree, but invariably, we begin to reflect the values, the traits, the blessings of those who have loved us, right? Those who love us, our parents. Well, here's the catch. As followers of the risen Christ, as children of God, we are called to reflect the values, the traits, the blessings of the one who loves us most. I mean, today in our text, the people of Israel, they have built the temple. They have finally completed this magical work, this beautiful place. They've been dreaming about it and praying about it and working hard on it. They finally built it. They brought the Ark of the Covenant out of Zion. They brought it into the Holy of Holies. They set it down to begin worship. And the Spirit of the Lord, the smoke just filled the room so much so that it chased the priests outside to do their work. So Solomon begins, he stands in front of the altar of the Lord, stretches his hands out, and he offers this prayer, this prayer that attests to the power of God that says, heaven and earth cannot contain you, God. Heaven and earth are just not enough. The temple cannot contain you. You are more vast than all of this. This prayer that attests to God's steadfast love, this prayer that attests to God's listening to our prayers, this prayer that attests to God welcoming the foreigner, the one who is different, into the family. This is an idea, this text is a reminder to us that God is both creator, redeemer, sustainer. That God is all of that. That God the creator has the power to create all of the universe, to give each of us gifts. That there is this awe and majesty with which God has provided us. And yet, we also are reminded that we are made in the image of God given this capacity to love. It's a reminder that God is Redeemer, that God wants only the best for you and for me, for our world, that God hears the cries of those who are suffering. And he sent his son to save us when all seem lost. It's a reminder of God, the sustainer, that God still hears our prayers, that God still speaks to us, that God is still guiding us through the power of the Holy Spirit, that God welcomes the stranger in to the family. This text is a reminder that God wants a relationship with each and every one of us, that God is still teaching, God is still influencing, God is still pouring out those traits, those habits, those dreams and visions upon our lives. It's a reminder to us as children of God that we are to reflect to the world God's steadfast love, that we are to listen for the cries of those in need, that we are to welcome the stranger, the foreigner, the one that is different into our presence and into our family. I mean, this idea of reflecting these values and traits of God is so ingrained in who we are this idea of love and listening and hospitality. I mean, think with me for a moment of a time when you felt unloved, when you felt invisible, when you felt insignificant. Think of that moment with me. Just hold it right here. That time when you felt that no one noticed you. No one cared about you. What changed? What changed that? What got you out of that space where you felt like no one cared about you and you realized that someone did? Maybe someone spoke a kind word to you or sent you a note or gave you praise for something that you did for the company that you thought no one noticed. Or maybe someone gave you a phone call or a text or an email and said, hey, let's take a walk. Or why don't you come over and sit on the back porch and let's catch up, or let's go fishing, or let's go catch a game. Maybe someone brought you a gift, nothing extravagant, just a little trinket from travel or a flower from the garden, something totally unnecessarily, but totally unexpected. Or maybe when you were just in this puddle of despair, somebody came and did something nice for you, something that you had no thought would ever come. Maybe they just rolled your trash cart to the street or they tossed your newspaper up on the porch so it wouldn't languish at the curb. Or maybe they opened a door for you and held it open just because they saw you coming and they smiled as you walked in. Or maybe someone gave you a pat on the back or a hug. Or just their eyes brightened up when you walked in the room. And it's in that moment you realize you mattered, right? Chances are that moment you felt on top of the world, you could see these signs of love, these tangible options, no matter what they were, that someone actually cared about you and to them, you mattered. See, my friends, we are created with this capacity to love, this capacity that God has poured his love on us and God expects us to pour that love onto the world, We're called to reflect that. So what that means for our lives today, tomorrow, the weeks to come, months and years, that maybe we're to speak the words that people want to hear. Not the words like, hey, we've been meaning to contact you about your car's warranty. No, tell people words they want to hear. Words that make them feel like they're valued. That we really care about them. Or maybe it's giving them the gift of time where you actually have a conversation with them and you listen to what they say and you spend time with them and you're not watching your clock, wondering how much longer this has got to happen. Or you give a gift that will brighten their life, something that just will mean something to them, even as insignificant as a trinket from travel. Or you do something totally unexpected like fold the laundry or empty the dishwasher. I don't know, just something unexpected that no one sees coming their way. Or maybe it really is just as simple as a smile and a kind word. See, when we show this kind of love, the world brightens up. The world feels better about itself. The world realizes that it matters and that everyone we meet counts. And that's what God is calling us to do. The other thing that God reflects us to do is to listen. God asks us to reflect that listening. How about you? I, I, I love the news. I love to know what's going on in the world. So I mean, I'm f- constantly looking at things on news feeds and newspapers, magazines. I used to watch the news in the morning. I watched it at night, but I used to watch it in the morning. And you know, the morning news shows now become this thing where you got three or four people and they're talking. And I don't know about you, but I had to quit that because I felt my heart rate going up. I felt my blood pressure increasing, not because of what they were saying, the points they were making, Because let's be clear. You know, if you don't like what's being said, you can always click and change a channel and find something that agrees with you. No, I had to turn it off because what was happening was three or four people were talking. They kept getting louder and louder and louder and more, more emphatic and talking over each other. No one was listening. See, the story of the Bible is not just a story of God's love for all of creation. It's a story of God listening. God listening to prayers, God listening to pleas, God listening to cries, God listening to the suffering of God's people, and then intervening. I mean, as children of God, we are called to listen, to listen more to each other, to listen more to the world. Martin Luther King Jr. said that a riot. I love what he said. He said, a riot is the language of the unheard. Just a few weeks ago, our our director-level staff, we went to a leadership conference, a virtual leadership conference, and one of the guys was talking about this idea of civility in the workplace. His name was Shola Richards, and this is what he said. He said, all bad behavior is unskilled expression of an unmet need. I mean, think about that with me. Think about bad behavior at work or bad behavior at home or bad behavior um, at school or bad behavior just in life around you. Think about that. Really, if you boil it down to it is an unskilled expression of an unmet need. I mean, how do we take that and internalize that and think about that when we meet people who act poorly? Maybe your daily life is much like mine and it doesn't rise to the level of a riot. But my guess is there are people all around us crying to be heard. So what if for just this one week, what if we did an experiment just this one week? If it's successful, maybe we should repeat it next week and the week after. But what if we really decided that this week I'm going to listen? I'm not gonna talk. I'm not gonna try to assert my opinion. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna ask clarifying questions so I understand. I'm gonna ask others to speak up and lend their voice to what's being said around us, and I'm gonna listen. I mean, in doing that, might we uncover the real issues that we're faced with? Might we hear possible solutions that didn't start in here, but came from out there? Might we realize that we have more in common than we have in difference? Might we gain a deeper appreciation for each other as children of God and as human beings? Might in the midst of our listening, might we hear God speaking to us Showing us the way, I think about that, and I think, boy, if we would listen more, the pressure in our world would go way down. We might actually get some things done and make a difference. So as you think about the noise in your world and listening, as you think about that time when you were given the gift of love, think about that time when you were a stranger. This is always just an interesting time of year it 's Back to school. So some of our schools started last week. Our colleges are starting. School starts tomorrow in the city-county system here. I mean, a lot of our students are going to a new school for the first time. Some of them are going to school where they don't know anyone because they just moved to town this summer. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you went to a school when you didn't know anyone or you moved to a town where you didn't know anyone or you the first time you came to church and you didn't know a soul sitting around you how weird that felt, how alone that felt, how daunting that felt. When I was in seminary, I worked in a little church uh, on North Roxborough Road, St. Paul United Methodist Church. A little small membership, United Methodist Church, right sort of on the outskirts of Durham. And it was a church in a neighborhood that was in the midst of changing over. It was a very small membership church. And so I had this great gig as their student, youth minister, it was a lot of fun. And so one Sunday morning, right after the school year started, Worship begins, and about five minutes after worship begins, the back doors of the church open, and in walks Marcellus. Marcellus is a sixth grade boy, sixth grade African-American young man, and he walks into this predominantly white congregation. Actually, not predominantly, it was just white. He walks in there by himself. Now, the ushers in the back were first taken aback that there was a sixth grade boy walking in a church. And they kept waiting for the parents. And when they finally realized that the parents weren't coming in, they got him a bulletin, they got him a a hymnal, they found him someone to sit with that was friendly and kind. And Marcellus had helped navigating, flipping through the hymnal, finding all of the liturgy. Marcellus came back next week and the week after. Then he joined our youth group and he began to really mesh well with the kids because some of these kids he went to school with. He didn't know he went to school with them until he came to church. So long and short of it is two years later, Marcellus is in our confirmation class and decides he's going to join the church. And so we did at that time what Tammy does with our confirmants: We do sort of confirmation exit interviews, this opportunity to sit down and talk with the youth and with their parents about joining the church and if they understand what this really means, the gravity of that situation. So I went to Marcellus' grandmother's house one Saturday morning and sat there on the back porch and she fixed hair for the neighborhood ladies. And we were sort of talking all about, you know, their story and everything. And Marcellus' grandmother said, do you know how he came to your church? And I said, you know, he never told me the story how he ended up at St. Paul. She said, well, let me tell you, that boy drove me crazy. He wanted to go to church. He wanted to go to church. She says, I work 60 hours a week. I am exhausted by the time the weekend comes. And I just did not, I just don't feel like getting up. She says, I'm probably guilty of this. It's probably bad. I probably shouldn't admit this to you. I just don't feel like getting up and going to church. Now I watch church on TV, but I don't feel like, and he wanted to go to some Baptist church clear across town. And I told him I wasn't going to take him. And he kept pestering me and kept pestering me. And so finally Saturday night, he was pestering me. And he says, grandmama, I want to go to church. Will you take me tomorrow? I mean, how awesome is that? First of all, right? He said, "Grandma, I want to go to church. How about? Won't you take me?" She says, "I'm not going to take you. But there's a church just two blocks up the street. You go to that church. You can walk there." He says, "But Grandma, that's a white church." And I and these are her words. She says, "I told him. I said, if they won't accept you as a child of God just because you have a different skin tone than they do, then that's not a church of God." Now, my friends. We were being tested and did not know it. Would we welcome the stranger, the foreigner, the one who was different? And I'm thankful that that church did. But how many times in our lives do we, are we confronted, are we tested and we're not even aware of it? How many times in our lives are we tested by how well we accept God's children who are different Lonely, foreigners, not like us. See, we as God's children are called to accept everyone, to welcome them just as God welcomes us. That we're called to welcome everyone everywhere we meet them, no matter what. So I don't know about you you read the news, it seems as if the whole of creation is groaning. I mean, think about it. I mean, we've got COVID-19. It's still hanging around. You got Delta, Gamma, Lambda. They're still doing their thing. We've got floods in Canton. We've got fires out West. We've got earthquakes in Haiti. We've got hurricanes up and down the East Coast. We've got nations collapsing. People desperate enough to cling to an airplane to try to find safety. Now more than ever, I think, now more than ever, God is calling us, the people of God, to reflect the values of the one who loves us most. Those traits that God has poured out onto us at creation, those traits that God has poured into our hearts through his love, through his listening, through his acceptance, and that we are called to go into the world and to do just that, to love, to listen, and to welcome each other in. Because we are all children of God. So may our apple not fall far from that tree. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at eight thirty, nine, or 11. Have a blessed day.